0: Hello and welcome to my pleasure. Let's, let's talk. Okay. Let's get started. First of all, I want to start by telling you guys about a night in my life that I think was the worst night I've ever had. And I think that maybe someone on the TikTok live I did recently asked me what was the worst night. No. No. Someone asked me if I'd ever gone to a sporting event. No. Let's go back a step further. Someone asked me if I had ever uh, gone to a Lakers game. And so I was like, hey, Dave, have I ever been to a Lakers game? And he's like, no. And then he's like, we went to a hockey game, though. And I'm like, no, we didn't. And then I remembered we did. And then I remembered it was the worst night of my life. And then I got so excited because I'm like, wait, whenever somebody asks me a question like, what's the best time you ever did there? What's the worst? I never have an answer. And I feel like I finally have an answer of what was the worst night of my life. And I'm ready to tell you guys. So the worst night of my life began in Skokie, Illinois was at my family's house. It was the middle of the worst part of winter and Dave was there with me and my parents wanted to take us out to dinner and to a hockey game. I actually don't know if I knew about the hockey game or if that was like sprung on me. Wait, I think it was sprung on me. Oh no, it's getting, the the worst night ever is getting worse. So we go downtown to a relative of my dad's restaurant, and I love this relative. He's a great person, but for whatever reason, I don't like the restaurant. I just d- didn't like it, okay? I'm a picky LA girl by now, and I don't like every restaurant, and that doesn't mean the restaurant is bad. It just means that I'm not into it, and so but because, because it's my dad's relative's restaurant, it's free, and that's why we go. And I'm literally like, I don't really want to go there. I don't really like it. Doesn't matter. Nobody fucking listens to me. We still end up going there. And so when we're at the restaurant, it is revealed that my dad has tickets to a hockey game. And this is like some big surprise that my dad has orchestrated, which is really weird because I fucking hate sports. And you know what I hate more than I hate sports? A sports event. That's like the worst thing ever for me. Like, I just, I hate crowds. I hate loud noises. I hate people who wear jerseys, I don't like any of it. And I really don't like it when it comes to Chicago because that just like is even more triggering for some reason because it's like all people in the place where I grew up where I just didn't feel like I connected with people. So it's just like extra triggering. I don't know why. It's this weird thing that I have where – even though um la is like filled with beautiful people i i've always felt my ugliest in chicago and i think i feel my ugliest in chicago inside and outside and so it's just the way that i feel like the culture reflecting off of me in chicago it just makes me feel ugly like truly when i land in la i'm like oh my god i'm pretty again okay so i'm like pretty and interesting and special but in chicago i'm just like a nothing ugly piece of shit Anyways, so my dad surprises us with these hockey tickets. Mind you, I see the fucking price tag on these tickets and I am going wild. They're like upwards of hundreds of dollars per ticket. And bitch, I just ate at a fucking restaurant where I had to eat a free meal. And you spent almost $1,000 on hockey tickets? Like I am just filled with rage, right? Because I just ate a meal I hated and all because it was free. But meanwhile, you spent all this. Ma- no, I'm like so mad. OK. And so then like my um my dad's relative, who's like, I guess, you know, you know, he, he runs a restaurant in the city. It's near the United Center. And so he knows people in the city. And so for whatever reason, like a limo driver who he knew had offered to drive us to the game. So we get in this limousine, which, by the way, like look I know everyone was trying to do their best. Everyone was trying to make this a nice night. I don't know why I didn't ask for this like it's just it, it don't try to do nice things for me. That's my best advice for you right now anyone listening to this. So we get into this limousine which is like you guys it's a, a limousine anytime after 1994 is tacky. It's cheesy. unless you're going to prom in the 80s or 90s like do not get in a limousine so we get in the limousine I'm so embarrassed right like every like my skin is crawling with embarrassment and my dad can feel how upset I am because I'm I don't hide feelings right like I don't it's all out there everyone knows how I'm feeling so my dad is like I think a little bit freaking out because he sees how upset I am or whatever he's experiencing I don't know so he fucking he's in the front seat with the driver and he turns around to me and he goes I need to tell you something I have some news he said I went to the doctor and I have some news and I'm just like what and like I turn white as a ghost I'm like what the fuck is going on And I'm looking at my mom, and she's just not interacting with me because she's just probably has, like, left her body because she just doesn't want to fucking hear me complain. And Dave is, like, trying to manage the situation. And I'm like, what the hell is going on? My dad has bad news from a doctor. Like, this just took such a crazy turn. Like, I'm already so heightened. And I'm, like, begging him to tell me. He won't tell me. Finally, we get to the game. He doesn't ever quite like flat out admit he's torturing me and lying but it becomes eventually clear he is which is so fucked up and traumatizing imagine your elderly loved one says they got back from the doctor's office and they have some news to discuss it was actual torture i'm sure i was being an asshole and i deserved it but still like what a way to fight me okay okay so we go to this hockey game, it's horrible, people are screaming, like I get it, the seats are decent, I don't I don't care. It's cold. Did I mention hockey arenas are fucking cold because they're filled with ice? Like and it's just all the horrible things I hate, like the Chicago fans that are just way too happy to be there. Like it just I I feel I feel alone in a room full of the hundred how many people are in an arena? How many people does United Center Seat? I don't know. Hundreds of thousands, 20,000 20, people. I don't know. I feel dead alone. I feel like I'm the only person in the universe. And so I think I'm... Oh, no. I was obviously begging to leave early the whole time. Like, please, let's go. No, we're not. Like, we spent all this money, blah, blah. Finally, we leave. Of course, huge crowds. And we're parked far away because, you know, we had taken the limo to get there. And now were stuck outside waiting for a shuttle bus. And to this day, Dave still references this night as the coldest he's ever felt in his life. We're stuck outside. It is, I think, if you even look in the history books, this was considered one of the coldest nights in Chicago. And, you know, it's late at night, dead of winter. I mean, you guys, if I went outside right now in L.A. at 7 p.m. at night, it would be really cold, Imagine, I, I would feel cold. Now imagine it's February or December or whatever in Chicago. It's so cold. Like Dave even said, like he started to hallucinate. We're just so cold standing there waiting for the shuttle bus. Anyway, we go back to my parents' house. My stomach hurts. I feel like shit because I ate food that I was disgusted by. No offense, no disrespect to the restaurant where my relative works or runs. I tried to go to bed. I think this was around the time I had just like discovered Pinterest and I was like Pinteresting things. Oh, also me and Dave were sharing a twin size bed in my childhood bedroom because my mom hadn't upgraded it to a full size bed yet. I can't sleep. I get up to go to the bathroom. I throw up. I'm throwing up. I'm so sick. I, and you guys, I have a phobia of throwing up. Like I don't, this is not just like a, uh, normal occurrence for me. Like I throw up once every eight years. It's horrible. I have the, it's just really scary. And now I'm literally sitting there on the floor in the bathroom throwing up because I ate something I didn't want to eat. I begged not to eat. Mind you, I'm in my twenties. Like I should have some more autonomy over my own actions, whatever. Anyways, like that's really the whole night and i'm sure people have had worse nights you know like i I understand but it was really it sucked and did you tune in to hear me complain i think you did let's be honest okay that was our story to warm us up now let's get to the topics at hand for the day Someone just commented, I also hate anything that brings straight men joy. Sports events, only acceptable if you can somehow get into a suite with catered food. Honestly, I don't even think it's worth it if there's a suite with catered food. I really don't. I really think that the catered food at a sporting event is never that good anyways. Onward. I have a mental activity. That I would like you guys to join me along a ride with or for. We're really switching gears. So I need you to like take a deep breath and pivot because we're going into like, you know, uh, like dorky, thoughtful, weird girl territory now. Not that that wasn't, but let's calm down. Let's take a beat We're going to do a little mental activity, a mental exercise. I want you to close your eyes and I want you to pretend for just a moment with me that you are Marilyn Monroe. Okay? I want you to put yourself in her, in her home. You can be in her bedroom. You're Marilyn Monroe. You have beautiful blonde hair. You're the most, uh, iconic woman of your time and times after you that you don't even know about yet. You're beautiful. You're funny. You're smart. You're well connected. Everyone knows who you are. You're a high paid movie star. You've been married to Joe DiMaggio. You had an affair with John F. Kennedy. You wore Kim Kardashian's dress before she did. You are Marilyn fucking Monroe. You've done it all. Okay? And you're in your your expensive house in Brentwood. And now I want you to stay Marilyn Monroe, but also add in yourself. What do I mean? Stay in her home, stay having, holding on to her accomplishments, her beautiful body, be her physically, but mentally be yourself. You know, mentally you're you and you have to brush your teeth before you go to bed tonight and maybe you have to take your contacts out and you might need to drink some water and you don't know what uh, you're having for breakfast tomorrow yet. You need to figure that out. Like whatever it is that you and your real thoughts are, kind of like put those in, in. So you're physically Marilyn, but mentally you're you. And you're kind of like if you're if you're uh doing it right you kind of should land at a place of like okay well now what so i'm marilyn monroe and i've accomplished all these things but like i'm still me i'm still just a person who might have a stomach ache or might feel lonely or uh bored you're probably really bored. And you might think like, well, if I'm Marilyn Monroe, how could I be bored? Like, I'm so fabulous. But no, no, no. You're still you. Like, you're, you're, it's boring. Life is boring sometimes. And life is sad. And life is sometimes fun. And it's up and it's down. And so, again, what I'm getting at here is today we're talking about a concept called denarration. And I want to, I'm going to try my best to explain it. It's something that I've become instantly obsessed with the second I heard of it. And I just felt like I knew I needed other people to know about this concept. And I'm going to read to you a little excerpt here to better explain it before I start poorly explaining it. Within the limits of her biology and intellect, Monroe went as far as it as it is possible for a human to travel into the hyperspace of fame after this occurred sex high culture temptations and the sating of earthly desires had lost all attractive charms for her she had realized the limits of how far the body can take one the story of monroe's life had been stripped away she had been denarrated And there seemed no other possible narrative arc to her life. No stencil. Marriage, question mark? Who would she have married? The president? A career? Been there, done that. In the end, it seemed she was trying too hard to put a pleasant facade onto nothingness. Her body had become a liability. She'd become post-famous. She was first. Maybe JFK was second. Elvis was third. So the idea of denarration... Well, the simple definition of it is is not having a life. And so it has been said that as animals, one factor that sets us apart from all other animals is that our lives need to be stories, narratives, and that when our stories vanish, that is when we feel lost, dangerous, out of control, and susceptible to the forces of randomness. It is the process whereby one loses one's life story, denarration. And denarration is the technical way of saying not having a life. So what this means is if you are someone who feels you've been denarrated, it means that you probably had a plan or a thought of how your life could or would go, but like, it didn't really do that. And you might feel like lost or surprised or unsure of how to handle that or what to do and this is a really like weird big concept and i apologize if this is like too crazy but i think it's worth sticking with and figuring out with me because i think we're gonna like get somewhere really good because i know it seems like kind of a sad concept right like to be denarrated even just that word it sounds scary but it's kind of like what happens to everyone. It is a natural part of the human experience and it's like if you have gotten to the other side of anything, you've realized like you you're it's not what you thought it would be. And I think everyone, like how can you how can you be a human and not feel that way, right? Like it's really easy to look at this on someone like Marilyn Monroe because she became The face of everything fun and exciting and thrilling and sexy and like, imagine being her at the end of that and being like, wait, I'm still me. Like, I am the face of a thrilling, exciting life or persona. But like, she's, she, at the end of her life, she was still Marilyn. Like, she was still just a fucking person who, was scared and lonely and isolated and confused and like unsure. And by no stretch am I sitting here trying to tell you that I'm like Marilyn Monroe, although like I kind of am. No, I'm what I'm, I experienced this. Like I really did. Like I, two years ago, I got to this place in my life where I felt like I had accomplished the couple of things that really I set out to accomplish, right? Like I got to be on a sitcom. I got to shoot my own stand-up special and I felt like, now what? And I felt this like emptiness and I know how to avoid that now. Like for the rest of my life, I will never feel that again because I experienced it and I learned what it was and it really was the concept of being denarrated. And I think it can go one of two ways, right? Like you can be denarrated by not having your dreams come true you can be denariated by you know feeling like oh i really wanted uh i really wanted to have a family by now i i could i really wanted to be married and have children by the time i was 30 and i didn't and now what or the other version is like the marilyn monroe version it's like okay or a person who did want to have a, a family, um, a marriage and children, and did. And then they did it and, like, it didn't solve all their problems or change everything. And, like, they've been denarrated. And they may not know it and they probably won't and if they didn't listen to this podcast or read this book by Douglas Copeland, which is called Polaroids from the Dead. And this is all in this one chapter in this book. And it it's this chapter where it talks all about Brentwood, right? And if you know what Brentwood is, you know it's, like, this beautiful utopia of like rich people and hot people and like cute restaurants and high-end shopping and it's like the most expensive place to live in the world not really but like it's really expensive it's fucking expensive and like that is this sort of manufactured utopia of perfection and the whole chapter is about like so you get to Brentwood and then what you're still fucking bored and you're still you oh my god okay wait I'm going to read you this, and this is going to really, I think, explain it better. They were savage and bitter, especially the middle-aged and the old, and had been made so by boredom and disappointment. Where else should they go but to California, the land of sunshine and oranges? Once they got there, they discovered that sunshine wasn't enough. They got, they get tired of oranges, even of avocado, pears, and passion fruit. Nothing happens. They don't know what to do with their time. They're taught this, This writing is talking about people in Brentwood, kind of, I think, and how they get to California or anyone who gets to California because they they see the orange trees and postcards and, like, they want to go there and have this, like, utopian perfect life. So... Again, once they got there, they discovered that sunshine wasn't enough. They get tired of oranges, even of avocado pears and passion fruit. Nothing happens. They don't know what to do with their time. Their boredom becomes more and more terrible. They realize they have nothing. They they realize they've been tricked and burned with resentment. The sun is a joke. Nothing can ever be violent enough to make, their, to make taut their slack minds and bodies. They have been cheated and betrayed. One is reminded in a way of Las Vegans, endlessly pumping their life's dividends into the computer poker units, willfully forgetting their own tired, boring, statistically average personal narratives. Narratives so average that they're not worthy of self-content in the hope of achieving a random transcendence. Denarrated. Okay, so what this is getting at is people go to Brentwood, they move to LA, they move to California, they move somewhere and they think that like, it's going to be an exciting, thrilling change. And then you realize like, that doesn't fucking solve your problems. And it's the same as like people who want to be famous or people who want to be rich. Like, I know that it's really hard to think that like, being a billionaire wouldn't solve all your problems and in a way it would like because you could be endlessly entertained um but chances are like you're not going to become a billionaire but you could very well achieve all your dreams and have everything you want come true and so it's like you need to kind of i think you there's no magical solution and It's a little scary. Like, it's a little scary to think that you could become Marilyn Monroe and still be you. And I know that that's hard, a hard concept, but it's really a belief that I have. And that is, you know, explained so well in this Douglas Copeland book. I have some good words to offer because I think it's kind of a dark concept but also like I think any introspective thing where you're like learning more about yourself and your own human experience can never be that dark because it just shows that you're intelligent and you're being thoughtful about what your experiences and what your thoughts will be and so the whole thing here that he gets at as to how to sort of prevent denarration I think I already read this part but It's important again now. When our stories vanish, we feel lost or out of control and susceptible to the forces of randomness. So basically, there's almost like two paths in life. And the path of denarration is when you let your life fall into randomness. And so there's kind of like a really easy solution If this is like a scary thing for you and that is to kind of just have a plan and it doesn't have to be about having a goal it should it can be but it like it should it could literally just be like a plan every morning or a plan for every month or every year and just like a couple things on a list that you want to check off. like It can be literally as simple as like for me this year, I wanted to start doing yoga. And if by the end of the year, I've started doing yoga, I'm not denarrated. Like I'm actually living in the narrative that I want for myself. And so it can be a big concept and it can also be a small concept. But I really kind of wanna challenge you to absorb this and think about, have you been denarrated? And how can you address that? What hobby can you pursue? What book can you read? What movie can you go see? Like, there's so many things you can do to feel like you're in control and to take back the reins of your life. And honestly, like, I really think you should, if it were me, and it is me, I want to, again, become Marilyn Monroe in my head and say, now what? And I think that's where the important, the the meaningful things will happen for me. And that could be, I just like taking walks in nature. And I, I think that is like, that is all that's left. Like, I think that is what's really important. It might be starting a family, it might be like volunteering with animals, but like, I think that is why a lot of people who are in the spotlight like back out of it because they feel like they didn't find anything there that meant anything to them and it like took away a narrative from their life that they really believed in and then they're like fucking lost and confused okay so many people are wait, i really am loving oh my god not esther roasting us esther i'm gonna cry wasn't ready for this on a monday night if you're listening to this on the uh you know, Thursday and onward, not live. I'm reading a chat of people who are listening to this live. I've definitely felt LA was less mesmerizing than I thought it would be after living there for 10 years. Lost a mystique after a year. Yeah, that's exactly what we're talking about. So something to think about. (laughs) And I hope that it leaves you in like a positive, beautiful place that like, you're not different from Marilyn Monroe. Oh, my God. Wait, there's another, because this chapter is all about Brent Wood, that also talks about O.J. Simpson. And there's an excerpt from this note that O.J. wrote. And if you've seen any of the like big shows about O.J., whether it was the scripted one on FX or um that ESPN documentary series about him where they go in-depth to his life and the crime and everything... You see Robert Kardashian, his friend and lawyer, read this letter that OJ wrote right before he went on the um, the freeway chase, the car chase, what's it? The Bronco, you know, we all know. And there's a line in this note that he wrote before he ran away. And it says, you realize if you're living an image... No, that's not the right one. <laughs> Wait, <laughs> this is a different one. He said, okay... excerpt from a note written by Simpson prior to a San Diego freeway chase. Please think of the real OJ and not this lost person. And this, I think, is a really clear example of denarration because OJ had this great life where he was an athlete, a superstar. He was like, you know, he was a big deal. He was living the dream and maybe that was working out for him, but clearly not. He then he becomes susceptible to randomness and he fucking murders two people. And he now he refers to himself as not the real OJ anymore, but a lost person. And that is such a prime example of someone feeling their denarration and like not really having the right word for it but that that is the concept there at play and the other quote that i accidentally read was it says simpson once told sports illustrated about fame you realize if you're living an image you're just not living and i think that also is a is part of this like marilyn monroe was living an image that's not really a life though like it's it's in a way, there's a version of that that is life because if you're putting your creativity into your image and that's fulfilling, which is a, something that I like to do, um, that is still a fun, good thing. But I think it's more like if you're pretending to be someone you're not and it's just like an image you're putting out there so that you can get from point A to point B and it doesn't actually fulfill you or make you happy, then I think that's like more what OJ is referring to here. Okay. A lot going on. Take a beat digest that and we're going to move on. We're going to move on. Don't worry. Hold on. Okay. So now we're going to talk about, we're going to do segments. We're just going to, we're going to fucking, we're going to get a little bit more chill We're going to, let's go to anti-sadness. I think we all need a good anti-sadness after that. And for me, a lot of journaling is my anti-sadness. I, I need to take it to the next level with my journaling. And you guys have been asking me for journal prompts and I have a couple and they're really basic and they're really, you don't really need them. But if you think you need them, I'm going to give them to you. The first one. Is simply just, today I feel like, and then fucking write. And you don't even think about what you're gonna write. Just let it, let it go. Let it happen. Another prompt. This week I'd like to. See what happens. Another prompt. I'm bored. Here's why. And then sing your heart out to your journal. And then I think an alternative option to that is I am blank and here's why. I am happy. I am sad. I am lonely. I am uh, hungry. I am full. I am sick of myself. I am sick of someone and here's why. And just like see what happens. You know, I I think this is both a creative exercise and a mental health exercise and a get to know yourself exercise. Again, I know it seems like I'm just this so self-involved fucking crazy. No, it's I like that. I think it's good to get in touch with who you are, how you feel. I think that's a tool in life. The more you know about yourself and who you are and what you want, I think that makes you uh, more self-realized. And I think that only makes you nicer to yourself the more you understand yourself. And the more you're nicer to yourself, That is the cheat code in life to being nicer to other people. And when you're nicer to other people, that's the cheat code in life to fucking being happier. I think, I don't know that much. I'm really not that smart, but I'm here to tell you that. And then I have another anti-sadness. We've got two. I need to embrace self-force. So I'm a person who grew up in a household where when I didn't get out of bed, my dad would grab me by the ankles and rip me out of bed. So I always had this like enforcer around who just like would not let me not do the things that they, he asked me to do. And I think I need to sort of embrace having that on my own a little bit. I need to, I, I just need to push the force button and say, no, you're getting up out of bed right now and you're going to uh, do whatever it is that you made plans to do self-force. Embrace it. Love it. There you go. My crush of the week. I know it seems like it should be a taste of the week, but it's just going to be hot chocolate. I know that's very juvenile, um, but it's really cold and I really like drinking something warm at night and I just put cocoa powder and I I told you guys how I make it last week But I kind of make like a hot girl healthy version of hot chocolate And that's my crush because it provides me with warmth and so I love it and I have romantic feelings for it My taste of the week is this place in portland called nongs. It's the fucking my favorite food It's like boiled chicken with this like ginger soy delicious sauce and rice it's just everything I've ever liked and tastes and it's in Portland and I'm going this weekend for stand up and I'm going to eat it probably three times in one day. My hot girl homework is, I really need to make some, I need to clean. <laughs> My hot girl homework is, is to make organizational plans to clean my bathroom. Like I need to just throw away so much shit that I've been hoarding and I need to clean out my coffee machine and like replace filters and just any lingering shit I've been putting off because I've been lazy or too busy. I'm going to like make a list and tackle it one thing at a time. I have the whole month of December after I get back from my tour... Portland, Seattle, Uh, where else? Phoenix. No, that's not until January, but uh, San Francisco. If you're coming, it's happening Thursday, Saturday, Sunday. Get tickets, esteronice.com. And And then I'm not coming back there for a while. So like this is it. And then I don't want to hear like the day I get back like five people on my Instagram DMs. When are you coming to Seattle? Like, no, I'm doing it now. This is a chance. And then you'll have to wait a long time. So that's my hot girl homework. I want to like really get serious and make plans about cleaning. It's the end of the year. This is when you clean. Okay. I know if people do spring cleaning. I like to do end of the year cleaning. Another thought that I want to leave you guys with is I know I talk about on, on Instagram, I say like I'm half Daria, half Quinn, and maybe you know the show Daria and you understand that maybe you don't. Lately I had this like This identity that I feel is best articulated as half smart girl, half dumb slut. And that sounds harsh. It sure does. But I really feel like I'm half dumb slut, half hawk girl. That's no smart girl. (laughs) Oh, no. Now you all know that I secretly think I'm a hot girl. I don't. I don't half dumb slut, half smart girl. I just feel like I want to be both of those things. And I think there's so many annoying misogynist men who judge women and don't want to let us have it all and have it both ways. They make us feel like we can't do that. Like I overheard this guy on a podcast and he was saying... You know, girls pretend that they want to be ugly and they wear baggy clothes and they stick their tongues out and they, they act like they're, they're ugly, but then they just look really hot. You know, then they do their makeup still and they're, they're clearly still trying to be hot. And I, as I heard this guy say this, I found myself like, God, this feels so mean. This feels so judgy. It feels like this guy really doesn't like women and he also doesn't get it. He doesn't understand that when we wear baggy clothes and stick our tongues out and, uh, you know, have unclean hair, we're not Trying to be ugly, we're expressing ourselves and creatively curating an image that we like and makes us feel good. And that doesn't mean that just because my, uh, shirt is three sizes too big and my pants are hanging low, that doesn't, and baggy, that doesn't, and I'm wearing a guy's sneakers and a baseball cap. That doesn't mean that I want to be ugly. I, it might mean I feel ugly, but I still can have that outfit on and curl my eyelashes and put on mascara and line my lips and, uh, put bronzer on my cheeks. Like I'm curating a look. I'm creatively expressing myself through my, my image. And I am never again letting a guy like tell me that I can't be both ugly and gross and also want to be hot and be perceived as attractive in my society like and in our culture and I feel like there's these guys that don't want to let us have that because they're fucking jealous like what else is it why else wouldn't you want to let me present as someone that's kind of like ugly but also hot like why can't I have it both ways is it because you can't Is it because you're a guy and you feel like misogyny has held you back from putting on mascara? Like, I feel bad. Like, I wish that you could do that and have what I have. I want that for you. But, and you should have that. And that may may be why that guy feels the way. It may not be. But I think that we are all, no matter what your gender is, no matter who you are, you are allowed to both come off as though you're trying to look like shit and also look good. And a lot of the things that I say and do and feel contradict and don't make sense. And you know what that means to me? That a lot of other people say and feel and do a lot of things that contradict and and are hypocritical and don't make sense. Because we're all the same. Okay, we're not all exactly the same, but we're all... If you're listening to this, there's a good chance you're a person. And there's a good chance that you... Will contradict yourself. And I think that's awesome. I think that's so cool. I think that if you allow yourself to contradict yourself, you're open to learning about yourself and you're open to new things and you're open to change and you're intelligent. And I think that's a great thing. I encourage you to be hypocritical. I encourage you to make mistakes and to confuse people. And to do stupid shit, like change your last name to your fiancés before you marry him. It's like, who fucking cares? I, I hope that I continue to do stupid shit like that forever. I hope that those ideas keep coming to me because I am so sick of caring what the fun police think and what the art police think and what the, um, just the people who are not good to themselves. Because if you're being not good to me and what I do, I know that just comes from a place of you not being good to yourself. And I fucking feel sorry for you. But I also am a little mad because you're mean, but I the only option here, uh, if I'm truly as evolved as I'm pretending to be, is to send love and light. I don't want to, but I'm going to. And I think on that note, I got to get the fuck out of here before I make more enemies and before I denarrate more of you. I appreciate you tuning in every week. Thank you for giving me a chance. Thank you for giving my thoughts a chance, my feelings a chance. Again, I really think if you're here, you're curious, you're smart, you're creative. And I hope I see you next week. And I hope I see you guys in Portland, Seattle, and San Francisco this weekend. You can get tickets at esteronice.com. And until then, do your hot girl homework.